Stop punishing yourself with bland, chalky protein shakes and fuel your fitness with the best protein in the game at GNC. We've got the hottest brands and flavors that legit taste like cookies, your favorite cereal, indulgent desserts, and more. It's on at GNC. Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for all that matters to our lives, liberty, property, culture, civilization, and country. It is all on the line, all on the chopping block. And there are few forces on the playing field to actually defend those rights, but we're trying. You know, we're trying on each issue here at CR Podcast. Your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here today for Thursday. Got a lot of loose ends to tie up on each of these critical issues, whether it's the green energy assault, illegal immigration, um, the weaponization of our federal agencies. It all needs immediate redress, as we said yesterday. So we're kind of going to move around a little bit here and there uh, because tomorrow we're going to have a special show with a Capitol Hill police whistleblower uh, on on some of what's going on there and what Capitol Hill police knew and didn't know. So I want to touch on some of the news of the day today. Obviously, everyone's talking about, at least in my part of the country, the haze, the smoke that's blanketing the mid-Atlantic, from, supposedly from these Canadian fires, whether they're natural, whether they're arson, it's unclear. And it, it got me thinking, along the lines of the theme from yesterday, What we learned from COVID is that when they go and create pseudoscience to take over the world, to disrupt our lives, liberty, property, economy, prosperity, standard of living, it's not just that it's made up, that we're doing all this damage for nothing. It's that everything they did actually exacerbated the said stated problem in front of us. Okay, just like the more you inject, the more you infect with the COVID vaccines. That's what we're seeing with the eco-green energy, green agenda. It's not just that it's unnecessary and unnecessarily destructive. It's that it actually causes of a lot of the problems they, they complain about. And in this case, the, the deforestization, the lack of management of our forests because of the eco policies is really what causes a lot of this. So I want to delve into this and a lot of what we're seeing with solar and wind literally causing the very uh, environmental problems they say that they want to solve. But first, uh, speaking of regulation, you know, we're told businesses could do whatever they want when it comes to government colluding with big business to crush your civil liberties. But somehow small businesses, no, they can't do what they want. I saw recently from the Competitive Enterprise Institute, something like on average under Biden, there's been over 900 new regulations put in the federal register, uh, about 330 a year applying to small businesses. And that's like double what it was last decade. So it is not easy to start a small business. I I believe um, I'd like to see the presidential candidates call for a tax and regulatory moratorium on small business just to even up the playing field that they created with big business. But anyway, it costs about eighty ninety thousand a year to hire an HR manager for your business. That's money you don't have 
if you're a small business owner. That's why here at Blaze Media, we recommend Bambi. What's Bambi? They offer a dedicated HR manager for just 1200 bucks a month. Um, they'll take it off the plate for you. It's simple. It's not like you call into some sort of black hole line. They have a dedicated HR manager. It's available uh, by text, by phone. He will set up for you your onboarding, your termination, your peak performance, everything that you want to do to make sure, A, your HR runs smoothly, but B, you're compliant with the endless growing uh, HR regs. So go to Bambi.com right now. Type in under podcast, you know, they'll ask you where you heard about it. Type in conservative review, schedule your free conversation today so they could audit your business for you. Take this garbage off your plate. That's BAM to the B, B A M B E E dot com. Type in conservative review. So, anyway, I was thinking with all this stuff, you know, a lot of people think that there is arson going on in Canada, but. For the first time in a while, it's reached the East Coast. Typically, this is something that the West Coast, West States, Western States have been dealing with for quite some time. But now the elites are like, oh my gosh, we're going to die. And this is, you know, we'll see if they try to turn this into the next COVID. I don't know if they will, and it hopefully will be over with with Saturday. I just want to open up your minds and eyes as to, you know, when you talk about what is going to be the next big thing, this might not be. But it just demonstrates it could come from anywhere. And that's why, again, we have to enshrine in our laws and policy uh, all all of these barriers we need to put up to them controlling our lives. But the interesting thing, a couple couple of interesting points here. So first of all, if you add up, according to the EPA, every vehicle emission of CO2, which obviously is a hoax, it doesn't cause global warming – but it, it's about a billion or maybe 1.1 billion tons of CO2 per year. Every car put together that they want to take off the road. Wildfires, which are natural. And when I say natural, whether it's natural or often they are arson, but it's, it's a way of life, unfortunately. Wildfires emit, I saw online, two gigatons per year. So that's about two billion tons of almost twice as much as what cars emit. So that's that's number one. Just shows you what a joke this is. But in general, government regulations that bar forest management and controlled burns leads to this every year out west. So it's unpleasant, but it will only be for a few days. Out west, they deal with this every year. And it's a forgotten policy vice of our federal government that they own all of the Western lands and they prevent its proper management. So here's the irony. Everything they do comes full circle. They claim carbon is the worst thing in the world. Well, the biggest carbon emissions are from wildfires that are created from these very eco policies that lock up these lands. So again, another thing I want to hear from presidential candidates is that they will sell off the federal lands out west back to the states um big action item but uh obviously they're overdoing it here according to ap so so per the epa limits we should be at 25 times the healthy limits of exposure here 
Um, this is a quote from an AP article. So far, officials said Wednesday New York City has yet to see an uptick in 911-related calls you know, concerning respiratory issues or cardiac arrest. So, you know, based on what they're telling us, you should have dead bodies all over the place. So, again, it's unpleasant, obviously. We don't like it, and it's, you know, largely probably caused by arson, and in general, it's uh, exacerbated by a lack of forest management. Obviously, it's a time of a drought in my part of the country here, an unusual drought, which it happens. For most of my life, we've actually had above-average rain in the mid-Atlantic, so now you got a drought. I mean, the notion that you're going to control this stuff is just, it's freaking absurd. It really is. There's actually a peer-reviewed study out last year from UMass in Lowell, Massachusetts. Researchers put out, published in Health Physics. Our results show that the percentage of the total CO2 due to the use of fossil fuels went from zero in 1750 to 12 percent in 2018 okay much too low to be the cause of global warming again most of of the co2 emissions are natural um we have record co2 emissions the last number of years and according to every measure there has not been a shred of warming so the warming was in the 90s early 2000s which you know goes cyclical there's different trends mainly to do with ocean currents, things like El Nino, um, geothermal stuff. As uh, Joe Bastardi always says, maybe we'll, you know, maybe we'll have him on soon to talk about some of this. So again, this is the same degree of scientific consensus lies that we saw with COVID. You're seeing with this, um, the bottom line is that most of this stuff is natural and there is no correlation, much less causation. Because, again, the warming should be off the charts, but there has been no noticeable warming since about 2015. So this whole thing is an utter racket. Also, it's interesting, too, that they're like, oh, we have record emissions, but we also have record use of green energy, too. (laughs) So, again, it just shows the whole thing. There's no correlation between the usage of the green energy and the lowering of CO2. There's no correlation between CO2 rates and, and and temperatures. And, and obviously, green energy is in itself a terrible, terrible, counterproductive um, environmental boondoggle as well as – so it's neither safe nor efficient nor effective. Just like the COVID vaccines, it's unsafe and negative efficacy against what you're trying to do. So I want to delve into that a little bit more just in building the case why the most important imminent policy, if, if I had to pick one thing right now, you know, with the COVID mandates off, I'm not saying I'm, I'm going, you know, retreating on that, but the imminent thing is to repeal the Green New Deal. Um, now, yeah, I mean, obviously there is a lot of stuff we need to work out with biomedical security with supply chains and speaking of the devil um i i just again i saw a statistic i can't remember but more than two-thirds of the vital drugs designated by the fda are in shortage and it's only going to get worse with the rise of the fourth reich um with our government being a client state of china Jace Medical, they have a new product I want to talk about, aside from the Jace case, Jace Daily. 
and basically they could back up your prescriptions. A lot of people are on long-term prescriptions. Whether they should be or not, they're reliant upon them as of now. It could be mental health, it could be blood pressure, it could be cardiac, diabetes, and you cannot count on them being there for you. They will give you with Jace Daily a backup supply of 12 months for your daily prescriptions. Uh, one of our listeners, Cindy, said she got five scripts for just 256 bucks, and that's paying you know out of pocket. So that's pretty good. Um, your order is reviewed by a certified healthcare professional when you go to jacemedical.com, and it's delivered right to to your door. Um, I recently spoke with Sean Rowland, who's the founder of Jace Medical, and he explained that being prepared medically is much more than just having access to antibiotics. You know, again, a lot of people, it's not just antibiotics, every drug you can imagine and precursors produced in China or India, the peace of mind gained by having this kind of long-term supply of your vital medications cannot be overstated. So right now, go to jacemedical.com, J-A-S-E medical.com, put in offer code review at checkout for a discount on your order. Um, And you can go to... Um, again, jacemedical.com, offer code review to take the future of your preparation. You know, you prep for food, you got to prep for medicine in your own hands. And by the way, I just want to say, um, you know, we have our seven cells as well. It's not an official sponsor of this show, but, you know, I want to save lives and we've always strived to do that. So, our friends at Seven Cells, we we noted that they have a new website up, and that's earlytreatmentmeds.com. So that's more for things like respiratory viral issues, um, you know, things like ivermectin, nitazoxanide, that you want to use these anti-inflammatories. So they have all these different early treatment packs for you, 50% off with promo code DANIEL. So, you know, they're no longer an official show advertiser, but the, the Tim, the manager, emailed me and says, you get 50% off all summer. So I'd be remiss not to give that out for those of you who are looking for ivermectin, nitazoxanide on there. You know, as they go and spread more vaccines, they're going to spread more pathogens, things like RSV. So definitely what it's found to, all these anti-inflammatories are found, found, found to have some sort of help for these sort of ailments. So again, earlytreatmentmens.com, promo code Daniel. So folks, I want to read to you an unbelievable article. You, you, you cannot quite quantify the amount of disruption, global disruption from solar energy. We have literally destroyed our electric grids, making them reliant on this crap. We have pumped in billions of dollars of misallocation of resources. You have these stupid, ugly, I mean, it's disgusting. It's like, you know, you know, you look at the smog in New York City and you know, you have the crime and everything, and, and, and we have just a beautiful American rural landscape. I fell in love with it since I've been a kid. I actually used to write essays on it in school, rural America, and, and what's being done to it is just heartbreaking uh, flooding it with illegal aliens is one thing, but another thing is flooding it with these solar farms and everything. 
And then you have these ugly, it's funny, you have all these uh, homeowners association that has, um, they have these uh, disgusting, you know, just draconian laws and regulations of how the neighborhood has to look nice. And sometimes they just overdo it on property rights. But the irony is when it comes to solar panels, you get a religious exemption because it's a religious need and they're ugly as anything. But anyway, this is an article from BBC. While they are being promoted around the world as a crucial weapon in reducing carbon emissions, solar panels have an average lifespan of 25 to 30 years. Experts say billions of panels will eventually all need to be disposed of and replaced. Dr. Rong Deng, a recycling expert at University of New South Wales in Australia, estimates that there's 2.5 billion solar panels in the world. Now, a lot of them are going to have to come due. It's going to be a waste mountain by 2050 unless we get recycling chains going on. Now, said Oot Collier, Deputy Director of the International Renewable Energy Agency. And basically, this stuff doesn't biodegrade. It's hazardous as hell. The amount of land use that you're going to have to chew up for this garbage is unreal. Just like for the wind turbines, wind turbines and solar panels, the amount of land disposal, the amount of money, just like they pumped in the money to fund this odious and inefficacious form of crap that doesn't work, now they're going to have to fund it a commensurate amount of money and misallocation of resources. I mean, all for a lie. It's the same thing. Funding all of the COVID measures and the mass and the lockdowns and the and the um, vaccines, all to kill people, all to make things worse, all to create viral immune escape. It's the same thing. It's literally the COVID of our economy. It is horrible, horrible for the environment. And then, of course, on the production level, Alex Epstein, a great expert on this, has a terrific article at Fox News. Don't be fooled. Green energy is neither green nor energy. And obviously, we know it's not energy. We know it doesn't work. But um, he notes that because sunlight and wind are dilute sources of energy, they take up more space and use more of many materials than fossil fuels or nuclear. The massive environmental impact is not at all green. Consider the land use requirements of solar. The world uses over 165,000 TWH of energy per year, which requires 19 billion kilowatts of power on average. An optimistic real-world power density for solar projects is 10 watts per square meter. To power the world, you need 1.8 million square kilometers of solar PV projects. If 1.8 million square kilometers of solar panel panels doesn't seem like much, note that it is more than all cities, towns, villages, and human infrastructure combined. He estimates that to be 1.5 million square kilometers. This would be 1.8 million. That's how insane this is. And this excludes the huge footprint of the solar and battery mining, manufacturing, and transmission. Consider the mining requirements of solar, wind, and batteries. An International Energy Agency 
projection for a net zero scenario shows an increase in mining and processing of minerals such as lithium, graphite, nickel, and rare earths by 4,200% by 2040. It's unreal, folks. It is unreal. We talked about this land use with carbon capture. The amount of space you're going to have to have for the pipelines and the caverns underground in perpetuity to store this stuff. It is so insane. It doesn't get off the ground, but it does get off the ground because of the subsidies. And again, Republicans buy into this nonsense. Republicans buy into this. Hook, line, and sinker. Hook, line, and sinker. The red states are the biggest conduits for the destruction of land, because they have the most land, of wind, solar, batteries, and carbon capture. That stuff needs to be as dirty of a word as Planned Parenthood in conservative politics, but it's not. Almost every governor is pimping it. Pimping it left and right. It's it's truly disgusting. You know, it reminds me, I saw a clip of um, John Kennedy. Oh, he's this folksy guy that has all these lines about the Democrats, but he is nothing but a cronyist Republican. He was on Hannity thinking of cool lines to pitch to the audience there. It was like an audience there. I want to play about a minute clip here of... You know, he's making fun of the nutty war on appliances, you know, with this garbage appliances. Um, take a listen here to, to, to Senator Kennedy. In my opinion, it's a moronathon. Uh, and and, and it, is just, it is just further evidence that crazy never takes a day off in Washington, D.C. when President Biden's in charge. You know, it's, also, yeah, go ahead. it's also going to be very unpopular, particularly the price rises. Uh, p- polling uh, clearly shows, fairly or unfairly, that uh, a majority of Americans think that President Biden is on a day pass from the nursing home. And, and, and further... Further polling shows that at the moment the president is about he's about as popular as a colonoscopy. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I just don't think I, I don't understand the, the politics of all of this. Uh, it's gonna be extraordinarily unpopular and just have a minimal impact on our environment. So you see there, he's almost like pausing to look for a folksy line. That's his shtick. And yeah, I mean, we all agree, you know, because they're talking about the, um, as we talked about all week, this legislation in the House designed to, um, designed to bar the restrictions on on gas-powered stoves. But the reality is, If you remember last September, we talked about this. The Senate ratified the Kigali Amendments to the Montreal Protocol. It's an unbelievable global warming climate treaty that was pushed by Honeywell. 
based in Louisiana, John Kennedy was the leader. 21 Republicans joined every Democrat in ratifying this. Doesn't need to go to the House. It says just the Senate. Last September, the protocol requires countries to progressively decrease their use of hydrofluorocarbons by 85% by 2036. Now, hydrofluorocarbons are the reason you can enjoy living in your home and walking in any store in most parts of the country during the summer. They are the refrigerants in any air conditioning system, also refrigerators. The EPA has gradually been cutting levels of HFCs, including under Trump's EPA, by the way, which is why anyone who has recently called the AC repairman for an infusion of coolant will know will see the sticker shock. The cost is terrible. But again, these companies like Honeywell, they don't care. They'll, they'll pass it on to you. So he talks about appliances not working. Yeah, except for Honeywell based in his state doing this to air conditioning. He has no problem with that. You see the problem here. And by the way, like, my new air conditioning, it totally doesn't work. I used to be able to set my air conditioning at 74, and it was it was great. My old system, it lasted for, I mean, I wasn't around, but from the previous owner, it lasted for about 30 years. This one certainly won't last that long, but it, like, every year, it doesn't, I got it a couple years ago, it doesn't seem to work. And even at 72, it doesn't work as well as the old one worked at 74. It always seems hot. It used to be it was only those days it was like 95, 100 with sweltering sun um, and humidity that it couldn't keep up during the daytime. And it would go up to 78, you know, just it's running all day. And now I find that even on a typical summer day of 85, it's, it's doing that. But this is the joke. Republicans buy into this nonsense. So when you have crappy products at a higher cost, it is a bipartisan issue. The global warming regs, the solar, the wind, the batteries, the carbon capture, the EVs, Republicans are bought into it. That's the dirty little secret here. So that's with the green energy stuff just like the vaccines. And uh, it's only getting worse. And again, it's all for a lie. All for a lie. You know, the Arctic sea levels um, on June 7th were the highest they've been in nine years. Higher than average since any year since 1994. So again, you know, it's lower than kind of some of the previous levels but the ice caps are higher than they've been recently, even though, again, we have more CO2 than, than we've ever had. This whole thing is a lie. And then you have the wind. That's the same thing. The turbines also, we have the disposal problems. They don't freaking work. In Victoria, survey data suggests thousands of bats die annually due to wind farms. Some estimating between twelve and 40,000 bats per year. So again, a lot of this was to save the ecosystem, to save the animal kingdom. Everything they do has negative efficacy in addition to destroying us. 
So just keep in mind, the COVID shots should be a glimpse into every major public policy they do. Not only is it harmful, but it's actually negative against their own stated goal. And meanwhile, residential energy bills, you know, I just saw this in New England. If you look at electric and gas for the winter, the average household paid $1,000 per month in New England. Now, they deserve it for voting for these clowns. But basically, they're, they're most vulnerable because they have the least utility of natural gas because of the limited pipelines. They've been blocking pipelines, so they have um, you know, less of that. We need an immediate cessation of the Green New Deal in the budget bill. And we need immediately, absolutely immediately, for every red state to terminate all of these projects. All of the subsidies, any state favor towards all of this nonsense. But we can't even get Republicans to speak with one voice on that. I saw recently, by the way, the North Dakota senators are working on Lindsey Graham's bill to tax carbon as like a cross-country, you know, um, tariff, a tariff on carbon. This is what we have. By the way, the North Dakota governor is running for president, but I guarantee you he'll be a coward and drop out early enough that he could run for re-election as governor. See, that would be a good thing if he runs for president. He'll get less than 1% of the vote, and then we'll get rid of him, and maybe we can get a normal governor in North Dakota. He's literally a partner with, with Bill Gates, total leftist. But it's people like Doug Burgum. You might never have heard of him, but that's what we have as governor in most of these states. Now, speaking of garbage products that don't work, here's a product that does work. Um... Stop using these ineffective cloths and boar snakes to clean the barrel of your guns. Go to BarrelBuddy.com and for just 15 bucks, get 50 cartridges. They are so efficient and clean. Um, you just jam it through. You get 360-degree pressure. It, it's clean. It's efficient. It works. And then you could also jam it through by um, you, you put the lube on it. So you have the cleaning solvent, and then you use a second barrel buddy to apply an even uh, application of lube. You know, because you're always, you know, you, you want to have some lube on it, but you don't want to over lubricate it. Um, that is the best way to be a responsible gun owner. Cleaning our guns is really an important step in being a responsible gun owner. Barrel buddy is a total new concept revolutionized by three patriots in Michigan. Listeners to the show, by the way, so it's from our own family. Um, Take care of your firearm. Give it the respect that we all will say, oh, we're all for guns. Well, give your gun some love. Clean it with BarrelBuddy.com today. That's BarrelBuddy.com. So, folks, this is the green energy stuff. Now, I wanted to get through a couple other things. Obviously, we had the debt deal. We are now up to, just in two days, the Treasury has already issued $388 billion in new debt. That's a record um, in such a short period of time. They're going to gobble it up um, just like that. So one tranche of new debt. So the Treasury issued, issued a tranche of $46 billion with a 17-week maturity. 
at 5.15%. Okay? So just just to understand where we're headed here with the higher interest rates, at 5.15%, the interest on 46 billion, just that tranche at maturity will be 7.2 billion. 7.2 billion. Just a year ago, the interest on 46 billion would have been 1.7 billion. So basically quadrupled in one year. I mean, this stuff is getting real. They will not be able to hide that. And again, that is why we need to reset the baseline with the budget bills and kudos for these house conservatives, these house conservatives shutting it down. But you know what? So so basically they went home, they shut down the floor for the week. And instead, a bunch of conservative talk show hosts are are trashing them. Oh, they ruined this conservative agenda. Yeah, these standalone bills that would go nowhere. Why is it that this is the fight of our lifetime? It's the same thing I said with DeSantis running for president. But even more importantly, this group that's really growing in the House that are willing to use leverage points to fight leadership. We've been asking for this for years. We've been demanding it. We've been praying for it. And then it comes along and we don't take yes for an answer. Either the conservative movement ignores it, dumps on it, Never about outcomes. Whenever we have outcomes, they're not there. They're almost allergic to substance. They will focus on everything that doesn't matter. Everything that doesn't matter at the time, it doesn't matter. So obviously, if Trump is indicted, maybe by the time you hear this, he will be, that's going to consume everything. Now, obviously, that is very important. But it's important in a certain way. What are you going to do about it? This is why we need to have a knockdown, drag out fight with the FBI. It's not just about Trump. It's about that they are literally using the boot of the surveillance law enforcement state, police state, against political opponents. Not just Trump, but Trump's own Trump supporters conservatives, and not just Trump supporters, but any opponent of the regime. So just a couple of of baseline thoughts on this Espionage Act and taking the documents. So to be clear, obviously, I don't think very highly of Trump himself. But unlike Trump supporters who suddenly change their view on issues just to support him or to bash DeSantis, I'm not going to do the opposite. And just because I don't trust him and I don't trust him to even follow the law... But I could say, I don't even care what he did or didn't do. It doesn't matter to me for a couple of reasons. Number one, I have a very strong extreme view on Article 2 powers. I think Article 1 is even stronger, which is why it came first. Congress has a lot of ways to check the president. Okay, If you don't like what the president is doing, you have the power of legislation. You have the power to close down offices and agencies. You have the power to, heck, you could defund his own office. The power of the purse. I mean, the Jacksonian Democrats made John Quincy Adams' tenure as president miserable. Boy, was he was almost clinically depressed from it. So if we actually exercised Article I powers, you could check the president. But instead, they want, what the left wants, 
is rather than Congress checking the president, they want an unaccountable fourth branch of government, this administrative state, independent from the president. My view is that when it comes to the operation of the executive branch, and that includes all personnel and documents and resources, the president runs that. The same way the CEO of a company could take whatever documents he wants. Now, you could argue whether he should or not, but in terms of legality, the notion that a president can't take the documents, and certainly if he declassified them, well, he didn't go through the process. He is the process. Okay? It's not pursuant to statute. It's Article 2 powers. So constitutionally, I don't think you could ever indict a president for taking documents, especially if he didn't share them with other people, just for himself. He is able to take that as long as he took it while he was president. So the notion that the Biden DOJ could retroactively reclassify them and then hit him up on charges is just absurd. In 1988, the Supreme Court in Department of Navy v. Egan, so it basically outlined these powers of the president dealing with the classification of sensitive national security docs, and they made it clear that it's derived not from congressional statute, but from Article 2. Here's a quote. The president, after all, is the commander-in-chief of the Army and Navy of the United States, Article 2 is authority to classify and control access to information bearing on national security and to determine whether an individual is sufficiently trustworthy to occupy a position in the executive branch that will give that person access to such information flows, so such, such information, and that includes himself, obviously, flows primarily from this constitutional investment of power in the president and exists quite apart, quite apart from any explicit congressional grant. So to the extent you want to apply the Espionage Act, which is an old relic of World War I, to the president himself, it's just, again, I'm not giving an opinion on what he took or didn't, we don't know, and what he did or didn't do and what his motivations are, and certainly Trump's character itself, I don't care, You cannot indict someone for that. And obviously, that sets the precedent of being a banana republic where you use one incumbent power to go after the political opposition. But then again, they've done this. We don't know what Trump did or didn't do. But what we do know is that the very agencies and departments that are going after him already, they themselves committed espionage illegally. I mean, we know from the Durham report, they illegally spied on a political campaign of the opposition. That is a fact. They also obviously fabricated the the Russian collusion and abused FISA and literally worked with the DNC, worked with one presidential candidate against the other. That is the much bigger scandal before we even get to the fact that, of course, they're not going after Hunter Biden. So, yeah, I don't typically like whataboutism But in this case, it is so jarring, I don't even care. But again, let's not forget that Trump kept Comey for a long time. Then he got Christopher Wray at the BS of Chris Christie. See, here's the thing. 
Ron DeSantis is not going to have Chris Christie type of people whispering in his ear. Lindsey Graham's whispering in his ear. So, you know, he has no one to blame for that but himself because how could you drain a deep state if your shallow state, your own appointees, are part of the same ilk? And by the way, this leads me to another very, very important um, point here. And that is... One of the big leverage points coming up is FISA reauthorization. FISA is basically, you know, they will cease to exist. It's this warrantless search powers that you go to a special FISA judge. And I'll be honest with you. People raised issues about this post 9-11. But like a lot of things, I was very colored by my concern about Islamic terror, which, you know, it is a concern. You just had a Syrian refugee in France go stab seven people on a playground today. But again, that should not be an excuse to give the government endless powers they're going to use against all of us. You just don't freaking have endless immigration from Muslim countries. That's really the issue there. Because once you're here and you're American, you do have rights to privacy, but what you do not have is a right as a Syrian national to immigrate here. So that's the way to constitutionally check that problem. But anyway, I always thought, all right, you know, you go through a FISA judge and then, you know, it's not like you're doing it helter skelter. You have to go through a judge. But it turns out it's a complete joke. That's what we learned with the whole, you know, um, Carter Page Steele dossier where basically a FISA judge worked off a DNC oppo page. So the Judiciary Committee found recently that the FBI improperly used FISA warrantless search powers more than 278,000 times ahead of the 2022 elections against American citizens. So there's a very important point here. It's not just the fact that we need to go after this stuff in the DOJ. It's called um, uh, uh, science justice. What am I I'm thinking? There's there's a third agency in there. I'm like losing my brain here. What the appropriation bill is called, but it's the one that includes the DOJ. It needs to be cut. But also there's another dirty little secret. I don't know if I've ever said this. But you need to call Jim Jordan's office and other members of the Judiciary Committee and make this very clear that there's a dirty little secret. It's not just FISA that is going to lapse at the end of the year. You know, our government, some of our statutes are actually pretty good. It's the fact that we we have all these loopholes we abide by. The question is, how do you have all of government running on autopilot without congressional oversight and a check and balance on this behavior now the answer is we actually have reauthorization bills that a lot of this stuff most of the critical things whether they're programs like welfare programs whether they're agencies like the fbi itself they run on sunset you know some are five years or so and they sunset and they need to be reauthorized i am pretty sure that it's not just FISA, but the FBI itself, massive agencies and programs have expired and have been running for years based on expired authorization. Now, you might be asked, well, then how are they running? Well, they're running because in the annual budget bills, 
Congress appropriates funding for them to operate despite not having the statutory authorization. Now, you might ask, well, how do you have an appropriation without an authorization? And the answer is this, that the relevant committee chairman with jurisdiction over that relevant agency, they sign waivers. So they're like, oh, we don't have time or can't get a reauthorization bill passed. It's appropriation season. We need to give money to DOJ. Okay, here we sign off. I am pretty sure the FBI is running without authorization. Someone needs to expose this and put Jim Jordan on notice that Jim Jordan needs to not sign off on the waiver to appropriate funding for any unauthorized agency under his jurisdiction without reforms, without very clear reforms. One of them being, you know, for example, as we talk about a lot, a commitment to having a cause of action against any individual. This is how you have a um, a check and balance because if you just say you the, you know you can't spy on Americans, they'll do it anyway. But an individual FBI agent or DH, DHS agent that is um, caught engaging in political targeting and surveillance of political opponents and surveillance of people where there is no probable cause they committed a crime, there is a cause of action, civil and criminal, that could be brought by the victim, the subject of that illegal targeting against that individual member. These are the sorts of things you say, hey, you know, you can get reduced funding with restrictions or you can get zero funding. Because if you don't agree to pass our reformed reauthorization, then you have no authorization and I will not sign off on that waiver. Okay, that is a very, very important action item here. So folks, I want to move this along as we run out of time in this action-packed show, just move on to a couple other issues. Um, You know, we are really at a crossroads. I keep saying this. Because of this radicalism, we talk about the insane assault on our economy, our society, our lives. It used to be the New Deal coalition up and through through Clinton and even beyond that. It was hard to fight because, you know, they sound like they care about you. They want to give you stuff. Now they're promising to take stuff from you. We're going to take your life. We're going to take your liberty. We're going to take your property. We're going to cut your balls off. We're going to flood your border. You know what I'm saying? It's not very subtle. It's easy to fight against. And with that creates a rubber band effect in politics. It always does. And that leads to this headline in Gallup, social conservatism in U.S. highest in about a decade. And Gallup really has the longest standing polling questions. A lot of times they ask the same question for a generation or two. They've been around for a long time. And they ask about on social issues, would you say your views are um, con- you know, conservative or or liberal. And on social issues, it's now 38% say they're, they're um, conservative or very conservative, and 30 say they are liberal or very liberal. And now, you know, you, you go back to the 1990s, it was, it was a much better spread, you know, 
flipped. It was like two to one social conservative to social liberal. But then it got really bad in recent years. And in recent years, the more people consider themselves socially liberal. So the last two years, it's like really flipped. And again, that that is an opportunity. That is a huge opportunity to floor the gas pedal. We've never had such an opportunity in a generation. Now, obviously, Democrats are pretty much the same. They, 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 they basically compare the results from 2023, 2022, 2021. Democrats, more or less, it's, it's kind of the same spread. But um, among independents, in the last two years, the amount of self-described social conservatives went up five points. And of course, among Republicans, it went up 14 points. Now, what this shows is what we've been saying for quite some time. It's really just the polarization is getting stronger. The left, the the completely polarized, completely realigned the Democrat Party. The Republican Party, because it's a joke, was slower to realign, but it is. So this is all the more reason why we need to make red states red. And we have the opportunity in the states where we control to completely, completely floor the gas pedal. There's no question about that. But, you know, also on a national election, it does show we are winning over independence. Very interestingly, they broke it down by age groups. And, you know, among seniors, it was pretty much the same, as you would expect. It didn't really change much. Among 18 to 29-year-olds, the amount of self-described social conservatives jumped six points. Um, So it jumped a little bit. But the biggest jump was really from those within 30 to 64 years old. So, you know, roughly Gen X, you know, some of the older Gen Y type of deal, um, 13, 11-point jump, depending on which bracket you you touch there. So, so there is some hope there among those in that zone. Um, we're now at a point where 46% of those 50 to 64 even more so than those over 65, um, are self-described social conservative. So it's interesting that we're actually, you know, you know, typically as you get older, you get a little bit more conservative, and our concern is that it's going to slow down with Gen Z. But the good news is that here we're downright overtaking an older generation. I think that is, that is a very positive, also economic, Economic conservative, now that's a little bit, you know, whatever, because everyone likes to say they're economically conservative, even if they're not, but it's 44% say they're economically conservative to just 21% economically liberal um, just two years ago. So that, that, that that's a net spread of 20 plus 23. Just two years ago, that was plus 16 so that's a pretty good, that's the best spread since the Tea Party in 2010. So again, a huge, huge, huge opportunity. According to Gallup, bottom line, for most of the past eight years, Americans were about as likely to say they were liberal as conservative on social issues. This year, there is a more obvious conservative advantage. The shift is mostly due to increasing social conservatism among Republicans at a time when social issues such as transgender rights, abortion, and other hot-button concerns are prominent in the national public debate. 
greater social conservatism may be fostering an environment more favorable to passing conservative-leaning social legislation, especially in Republican-dominated states. And this is where it needs to go. We are underutilizing the map. But you are also seeing a shift in, um, you know, in independence as well, which portends well for a national election. Just one more point I want to leave off on. You know, again, what this shows is the left is getting more loony, or maybe they've even maxed out, and you're not going to win them. But we need a coalition of red states to actually fight. And I want to play a clip from Ron DeSantis yesterday in Cochise County, Arizona, at the border. He was with my buddy, Sheriff Mark Daniels. We've been friends for years. So uh, good company there. And here's what he had to say about his plan for the border. Take a listen. Uh, what we want to be, the message, one of the messages we want to send today is, you know, we're going to partner and we're going to formalize this in the coming days and weeks. We want to partner with all like-minded sheriffs and governors around the country uh, to create a, a coalition of people that actually do have the will uh, to fight back against this problem. Uh, and I think we'll be able to do a lot working together. Uh, probably not going to be able to solve everything because we need D.C. to get in gear, but I think we're going to be able to make a difference. And I can tell you what we've done in Florida has saved lives. Uh, it's absolutely saved lives. What you guys are doing here has saved lives. And so if we're pulling our efforts, uh, I think it's going to be something that's going to be really, really positive. Uh, we also want to announce that both our Florida Highway Patrol and National Guard uh, Counter Drug Task Force we have developed a, a training program uh, that we believe will help law enforcement across the country uh, mimic uh, some of the success that we've had in Florida uh, and so uh, and also help to train more boots on the ground in multi-agency criminal interdictions. And so we're going to be offering this. You know, we're going to be welcoming people from across the country uh, to come to Florida um, and train with some of our folks uh, and, and basically learn a model that we think has had uh, tremendous success. So we're proud of that and we want to work with everybody uh, um, who wants to who wants to do it so you hear that formalizing a coalition of sheriffs and governors and he's willing to train other states in law enforcement against illegal immigration this is exactly what needs to be done i mean this is what i say that in some respects if he continues doing this his leadership as a governor but simultaneously having that platform as a presidential candidate might be more impactful than him even becoming president this is where we need it. Why are other governors not leading? Now, thankfully, he uh, others are following his lead. He started out sending a 1,000 um, personnel to the Texas border. It's a lot for a state. And now we have, you know, Virginia did it and a couple other southern states. Oklahoma did it. Idaho, um, South Dakota. So we're, we're, we're seeing them follow. But again, why are they not leading on this issue? We are underutilizing the map. He's willing to work with other sheriffs, and I love this idea, sheriff's posse idea. DeSantis just also expanded the state guard, the Florida State Guard. This is really what needs to happen. And the map, the political science of the map, demonstrates this. It really, really does. That I don't know what we can do in a good part of the country. But I will tell you, in the part of the country we control, 
we need to make it as unhospitable to the left as their states have become to us. And folks, that's just the way it is. So we covered a lot of ground today. Tomorrow we're going to talk about January 6th from the Capitol Hill Police whistleblower uh, perspective. Let me know your questions for our special guest tomorrow. Daniel Hurwitz at startmail.com is the email. At rmconservative is the Twitter. And of course, you can find my columns at conservativereview.com and theblaze.com. Till tomorrow, God bless you all. And thank you for listening. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all.